Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. It's time for another show dedicated to the world of keto. Check out ketoreset.com for details about my New York Times bestselling book and send your questions to info at ketoreset.com. So hello, Primal Blueprint Podcast listeners. I'm Lindsay Taylor. I am the co-author with Mark Sisson and our guest today, Layla McGowan, of the Keto Reset Instant Pot Cookbook. I'm also the co-author with Mark of a new cookbook that will be coming out this fall called the Keto Reset Cookbook minus the Instant Pot for all of you guys who do not have an Instant Pot. But today what I was hoping to do was to introduce you guys a little bit more to our friend Layla. For those of you guys who are in the Keto Reset Facebook group, you'll definitely know Layla's name. She is one of our moderators and also one of our best advice givers in the group. She gives us excellent advice about how to eat, how to live a general keto lifestyle. She's also very proficient in the weightlifting scene, which is absolutely not my skill set. So I've learned a lot from her in the last six months on our Keto Reset group. So today what we were hoping to do, Layla, was just to say hi to you, to introduce you a little bit more to our audience, and to hear a little bit more about your story. How did you go from being a person who just came into the Keto Reset group and gave all sorts of good advice to someone we snatched up and welcomed into our primal family? Yeah. Um, hi, everybody. I'm Layla McGowan, like Lindsay said. Um, I Actually, keto was not my idea. It was my husband's. Hey, same here. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, guys. (laughs) Yay. Thanks, Ryan. No, um, he just one day had been listening to an archived podcast on, believe it or not, Joe Rogan, Mm -hmm. where he had um, Dom D'Agostino on. And he he came up to me and he was like, why don't we try this keto thing? And um, he was like, there's all this awesome science behind it. And he was like, it's neuroscience. And I was like, (laughs) okay. Because initially I had actually um, been completely and totally against keto. I mean, I was one of those people. I was eating a standard bodybuilding type diet. And I was convinced that I needed my carbs. Not only did I need them, but I deserved them. And they were my birthright. (laughs) So I was going to have them. But um, Ryan, you know, he, he said, just listen to the podcast. And I said, okay, I'm going to listen to the podcast. And everything that Dom was saying reminded me so much of things I had learned in college from studying anthropology about how humans had evolved by, um, actually they grew their brains by eating huge amounts of fat because they were clever enough to crack open femurs and access the bone marrow inside of kills that other animals had left behind. So it just dovetailed so nicely. And I was like, you know what? (laughs) This Dom D'Agostino guy, who I had no idea who he was, he's got something going. And, you know, I said, let's give it a shot. So, um, unfortunately, how, how many years ago was this? It was about 11 months ago today. We've been doing it for almost mm-hmm. a year now. Okay. So, um, unfortunately, it was before the book came out, the Keto Reset mm-hmm. Diet came out. So, um, Ryan and I just kind of like, you know, we were like, looking around. Um, I believe I we just crashed dove into it, which mm-hmm. is the wrong way to go about um, starting keto. And that's going to be like the theme of this podcast. Lay, Layla's mistakes. Don't, don't make my mistakes. Learn from my mistakes. Stand on my shoulders, please. Don't dive bomb into keto. It's really unpleasant, especially if you're at all um, physically active and um, you stupidly decide to continue to go to the gym at the same level that you were while you're transitioning. 
But we we did that. And um, I remember one day, randomly, I got um, a... I think it was a Facebook notification from Mark's Daily Apple. And it was like it was like the personal letter from Mark to the primal community or something like that. And it was like, hey, we have this private group. Please consider joining. And I was like, oh, I know Mark Sisson. I love Mark's Daily Apple. I'd been reading it for years. And I was like, okay. So I clicked, I clicked join. And um, you know, it maybe like a few hours later, all of a sudden I was in this group and there were all these people and they were talking about like the primal principles and the keto reset diet book, which hadn't been released yet and all this other stuff. And I was like, this is actually an intelligent way to go about it because the things that these people on this group are saying are literally addressing all of the pitfalls that I just like bullheadedly charged through like an idiot when I didn't have to. So, um, I don't know, like I just got this affinity for the messaging and for the community because I found everyone there to be so supportive and, um, respectful of one another. And, you know, like sometimes you're part of their Facebook groups and there's like clicking and there's like, you know, people picking on each other and stuff like that. I didn't see a whiff of that in this group. And I just thought it was such a great breath of fresh air. I was like, this group is giving me something. Let me contribute back to the best of my ability. And, you know, as I was giving advice one day, you just like messaged me and you're like, hey, do you want to be a moderator? And I was like, uh, sure, I guess. I mean, (laughs) if you want me. And, and now fast forward, and you're the co-author of one book, and you and I have another cookbook yes. coming out together. Yeah, and you're kind of like the queen of keto in our group. Yeah, this is it was it's totally by chance that all this stuff happened. So I mean, like it's it's pretty cool. Like you change your diet, you get involved in community, and now all of a sudden all these doors open, which has just been like phenomenal for me. So like that's been really awesome. And I'm like really grateful to Primal Blueprint for being like, hey, you make good food pictures. Why don't you help us write a book? And I was like, uh, okay. Yeah. We should mention, and we'll come back to this, but that Layla is an amazing cook and makes beautiful food and comes from a very different food tradition than the one I came from. So, um, we'll come back to that whole thing, but I want to go back, you know, a year ago before you started the whole keto thing and ask you, you know, what was, let's just say like two or three typical days for you in terms of how you ate and how you exercised and what your thinking was, because you were obviously doing something, a different thing, really intentionally. Right. So that really intentional thing that I was doing is basically a spot on, you know, if you were to look at any bodybuilding magazine and you were to like take like a page out was like, this is the diet that you should eat if you want to grow and be strong and be lean. That's the diet that I was doing. And it involved a lot of supplements that I didn't need to be taking. Um, it involved uh, a lot of foods that I'm actually allergic to and wasn't aware of. And um, it involved a lot of carbohydrates and a lot of um, way too much volume, way too much intensity training. So um, I was literally, I was buying this horrible horrible sugar powder. It was some kind of special fancy Gucci glucose Mm -hmm. that you would, that you would put into a shaker bottle and you were supposed to take one third of it before you started training one third of it sip during your workout, because God forbid, you know, you should not have extraordinarily high insulin for the entirety of your workout and then finish the rest at the end of your workout. And this stuff gave me such bad GI distress that it would literally, as soon as I took my first one third, I would have to go 
to the bathroom and then I would continue my training. And for some reason in my mind, I had this, you know, macho, no pain, no gain mentality where it was just like, oh, well, I'll toughen up or it's normal. It's just, it's just, you know, uh, too much water is entering my my intestinal tract mm-hmm. because of the carbohydrates, you know, or, or some other bro science nonsense. And, you know, I didn't, unfortunately, and I regret this, I didn't take the time to step back and go, wait a minute. It's not normal to be sick every single day. That's not okay. Just because I'm performing extraordinarily well in the gym that doesn't mean that I should accept the fact that I'm not sleeping, that I have two periods a month, that my nails are brittle and basically falling apart, and that I have tenea versicolor, which I shouldn't have. That's a candida overgrowth. You know, I had, you know, this enormous constellation of of problems, which I've like written down here on this <laughs> list so I wouldn't forget them because there's so many. Um, and all of that was just because of my eating, because I was following this paradigm that was not appropriate for my holistic health, but was amazing for my athletic performance. Mm -hmm. And um, when I came into the Keto Reset group and I started becoming more heavily involved with the primal community, it really helped me to take a step back and to reprioritize what the heck it is that I'm doing with my body and why. Because nobody cares about my push press I, I'm impressed by my push press, but <laughs> like how many people even know what a push press is? Do you know what I mean? Like who, who cares? I would rather be present and available and feeling healthy and feeling good for my family for the long haul than to have this really cool push press that nobody cares about for two years until I'm sidelined by some inevitable crippling injury from overtraining. So, you know, it really was like a complete 180 paradigm shift for me. And it's not as though, you know, I went keto and all of a sudden I stopped performing athletically because that's just not the case. They work really well with one another. But I was able to kind of like lift that load off of my shoulders in terms of needing to be such a high achiever for really no reason at all. Well, that's what I think is interesting about your story is because a lot of people come to keto or primal paleo from a sad diet where they actually weren't really even thinking that much about what they were eating and putting in their body. And that this is their first exposure in a real serious way, besides just thinking about calories and, you know, a traditional calorie restriction diet, like maybe you've done Weight Watchers or something like that before. And that was what, how you thought about food, but you really were thinking about food. You were really considering what you were putting in your body. You were being really strategic about it. It's just that you were using a completely different strategy. And I'm looking at your notes right now, and I see the word vegetarian written yes. as well. So that means that you've actually gone through a huge progression in terms of different eating strategies. So tell us a little bit more about some of the other things you tried before you found keto. When I was in high school, and I don't remember exactly what precipitated this, but it was a combination of <laughs> fathead and reading Eric Schlosser's book, um, Fast Food Nation, mm-hmm. and some other inflammatory um, railings on Big Agra that caused me to one day, like, m- much to the dismay of my mom, um, like, sophomore year, I was like, I'm not going to eat any meat anymore. And I was just like, I can't support what they're doing to these animals. I can't support what Big Agra is doing to the environment. And, you know, that was my stand. And my mom was so 
heartbroken by it because that meant that I wasn't eating the traditional family foods anymore. And in our family, eating a family meal was really important bonding um, experience. We literally every single day of my life, my mom would cook dinner and everybody would eat around the table and we would enjoy that. But Korean food has meat in it and, you know, it has non-organic produce, which when I was in high school, was actually kind of hard to find in the Midwest, you know, in what, 1990, whatever, the early 2000s. So, um, you know, it, it was a, it was a big shift for me, but that was a decision that I made based on, um, what I felt was the moral best choice because I mean, was there grass fed pasture raised meat back then? I don't know. Maybe there was. I was a high schooler. I was kind of dumb. So <laughs> if it was available, I wasn't aware of it. So in my mind, I should be vegetarian. That meant that I was eating a ton of soy. And I continued that into um, college. So I was eating that way for maybe five years. And that is literally the sickest I've ever been in my entire life. I think I only weighed maybe 104 pounds, which is a completely inappropriate weight for me because not only was I that low on the body weight scale, I was like fat. Like how can you be 104 pounds and have excess body fat on your hips and on your arms and on your abdomen? Like I constantly had like a pooch. It looked like I had a beer belly. And I really think it was just that my uterus was so exploded huge. Sorry guys, that's gross for you, (laughs) but deal with it. From all of the estrogen, from the soy and all the other things that I was eating that just don't, I cannot have in my life and that I've discovered now. But um, I was having respiratory infections pretty much bi-monthly. I would get some kind of bronchitis. And granted, I was bicycling all over Philadelphia um, in order to get to and fro, but that's not normal under any circumstance, no matter what you're doing in terms of your activities. Um, That was the first time in my life that I had gotten eczema was um when I was a vegetarian and um I my cystic acne through the roof crazy um just various awful candida issues that ladies will be familiar with it was persistent bladder infections constantly and it's it's weird but when I stopped when I stopped being a vegetarian cuz one day I just decided no you know what I want some hot wings I'm done with this. <laughs> a lot of those issues a lot of those issues went away mm-hmm. and um that's actually at that point when I said I'm I'm done with the vegetarianism is when I started bodybuilding for the first time and um so that's when I started eating you know animal proteins again and I started bringing those things back into my diet and started pushing the soy out not because I was aware of the xenoestrogen in the soy or the fact that it was GMO and that it had glyphosate or atrazine in it or anything like that. It was because I thought in my mind, soy is an inferior protein. And I probably just made some people really mad with that. But (laughs) in my mind, that was the message. Soy is an inferior protein. Just eat the beef, eat the whey, which I'm allergic to. So that's that's what I switched to doing. And uh, uh, quite a few of those issues cleared up, like the abdominal distension went away. Um, I stopped having eczema at that point. But, um, and, and the did rest, you, at the time, did you link it to the food? I not mean, at all. No, okay. no, no. I, you know what? I didn't even realize that these problems had gone away. It's only now that, um, I've gone, you know, ancestral eating and then, you know, switched over to keto that I'm aware of which foods are so closely linked to which symptoms, because, you know, I've basically worked my way through an elimination diet, trying to, um, nail down my, uh, health issues 
that um, now I'm now I can pretty much say like yeah that was the wheat like I was getting the respiratory infections from the wheat it was just too much wheat mm-hmm. you know so it's um, it's been quite a journey with that and uh, I'm I'm glad to be in a healthier place now because I feel like. I've made I've made all these mistakes and I feel like I've found something that works and um that that makes me really happy because I'm healthier than I've ever been in my entire life, you know, like for the first time for the first time since um I guess I've been a teenager and an early teenager, I don't have cystic acne anymore, which is just I mean, I that sounds ridiculous, but my cystic acne was really um it was disturbing to me because I felt like it was disfiguring and i felt like as a you know somebody in their 30s i shouldn't be having these giant nodules all over my face that i have to hide and it made me feel bad about myself and if you don't feel good about you know basically your face that's going to affect everything going through on your life so you know just being able to clear up my cystic acne has been enormous for me never mind all of the other things that i've gotten over that's like probably the thing that right now i'm most thrilled with because it's been the most recent. Yeah. And so when you transitioned and you were doing bodybuilding this whole time, you've been yeah. consistently working on the on the weightlifting and the power sports for, you know, 10 years now. And then you dramatically change your food about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about how that transition went in terms of affecting your sport? Yeah. I mean, like anybody else, I've had my layover, my my layoffs during that that. 10 year period, you know, mm-hmm. like there might've been six months here where I just didn't do anything for whatever reason. Maybe there was a term paper or I had a bad breakup or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like I haven't consistently been training every single day for 10 years, but that's been my, my hobby, my physical hobby, my, my playtime of choice for the last decade. So, I mean, um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty into it at this point. And, um, when I switched over to the ketogenic style eating, like I said, I just nosedived right into it because I didn't have the guidance of the Keto Reset diet book. It hadn't been released yet. Mm -hmm. So we just went with some, you know, some popular recommendations. I found some recipes online. They were horrible. I didn't like them. There's a lot of cheese casserole things and with egg and it was like, Land and sounds very keto. Yeah, it was, you know, like it was like do egg fast and eat some cream cheese for a snack with a spoon. And I'm like, oh no, that's not food. But you know, I kind of grimly went along with that mm-hmm. because I didn't know that you could do it any other way. And um, so initially my first foray into keto, um, I had horrible, horrible cortisol issues and like a all the signs were there. I was like urinating constantly. Um, I couldn't sleep. I had like four day long bouts of insomnia. Wow. Um, yeah, there was just all sorts of crazy things going on with my body going, why, why are you doing this to me? Because not only was I going all the way down to 20, 20 gross. Mm-hmm. Not only was I going all the way down to 20 gross and I was doing this, the, the dumb thing where I count the the minuscule, you know, 0.43 grams of carbohydrate in an egg yolk, okay? Mm-hmm. So I was doing it that way. Not only was I doing that, I was continuing to do my normal length workouts, my normal training that I had been doing when I was reliant on glucose. And it 
sucked. And yeah. it probably didn't help my cortisol any. Of course, yeah. At all. So, I mean, just, you know, learn from my mistakes. Don't don't make my mistakes. Don't so, do what that. do you think would you I mean, which what do you think was this is a hard question. Which was worse? Was it that you dropped your carbs too low and that you like what would you have done differently? Would you have both eaten more carbs and dialed back your workouts? Do you think you could have done it with the same amount of carbs if you had stopped lifting for a while? Like When I first started keto, I was still under that impression that you had to limit vegetables, carbohydrates, absolutely everything forever. So I actually got really bummed out that I couldn't, like I thought that I couldn't eat the spinach that I wanted to eat. I was like, oh crap, I have to weigh out this spinach and I have to only pick the most watery, bland salad greens possible in order to get some kind of green roughage in my diet. So, I mean, like, I was just, I was bummed out about that because I love vegetables so much. Like, I like a big pile of vegetables. It makes me really happy. So, um, like, it was just a struggle to get past that point because that just seemed like doomed to me. And I saw people in the, in, in the Facebook group when I had first joined and I was doing it the wrong way and they were posting these giant piles of vegetables. And I was like, you know, if they can eat a pound of zucchini, then I can eat a pound of zucchini. I started eating a pound of zucchini and I started feeling much better. But, um, I mean, the worst, the worst part of the way that I transitioned is just that one, I was eating the wrong foods. Um, I paid no mind to the fact that I have dietary intolerances and allergies. So I, I was eating the wrong foods and it was not agreeing with my body. I can't have dairy for some reason. I thought that I could. No, I can't have dairy. I shouldn't be eating it. Um, and and two, I was just working out too darn much. So, you know, there was just a lot of unnecessary things that happened and it didn't need to be that struggle. You know, like in in hindsight, if I could do it again, what I would do was going from where I was, you know, not, I don't have any problem picking out primal foods. I'm, that's not, that's not a skill set that I need to learn. So I can, I'm already starting at that building block. I would have just gone to the 50, 50 gross, plenty of green vegetables, not worry about it so much. And then not worked out at all for maybe two weeks mm-hmm. and just okay. walked. Yeah. And how long did it take your workouts to recover to where you felt like yourself again? Because you hear people say, oh, it's been three weeks. It's been four weeks. And to me, that's just like a flash in the pan when it comes to transitioning. Six months. Six months. It took six months for me to get back to the level where I was, where I started feeling like old Layla. Mm -hmm. And um, it took me eight months to start putting weight back on Mm -hmm. to my list and start progressing them. So there was a big two-month plateau where I was just, you know, back to where I was, but not necessarily getting any stronger. After about eight months that started to creep up again. And I actually started adding like big weight onto some of my lifts. And I thought that was like, this is really cool. And um, honestly, I attribute that to having less joint inflammation Mm. in the joints that were being used for those lifts. So since that, yeah, since that was able to heal, I was able to do more than I was before. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, throughout that time, my weight has remained stable. So I don't think that I've put on like an inordinate amount of muscle mass uh, to attribute that strength gain to. So, I mean, I really Mm. just think it's the reduction and inflammation, and then maybe the um, the better energy efficiency. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, eight months, and um, I've had a little bit of a layoff lately, so I'm kind of I backslid a little bit, but um, it comes back quickly. Mm-hmm. And so, in the last year or so, 
obviously you feel like you were doing it wrong at first. Yeah. And um, did you know about your food intolerances when you started? Or was or were those things that you've discovered in the process of trying to be keto? I feel like intuitively I knew that these foods were bad for me, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to hear it. Well, it sounds like you were kind of used to not feeling good all the time. Exactly. That was your normal. So. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, when you never have normal digestion. Ugh. Right. You know, and, and I had been... I had been blindly charging forward for so long that um, I didn't, I didn't care, you know, that that my digestion wasn't normal because I just thought that was like part of being an athlete. Like you hear about athletes having bad digestion, they have touchy stomachs, whatever, and you just think, oh, this is the cost of my my chosen pursuit, and it's not, and it shouldn't be. That's not normal. It's not okay. It's like when I hear people saying like, oh, well, you know, it's just normal to lose your hair on keto. It's like, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. If you're not feeling great, then don't settle. Mm -hmm. Change it up. Do something different or or you're doing something incorrect like I was, you know. But you can't just be like, oh, well, you know, good enough is not good enough. You should feel amazing all the time, you know, if you can or at least work towards getting to that point. Like you deserve to feel amazing all the time. But I guess I felt like, you know, for me – Oh, I'm tough. I can suffer. And oh, who who was I punishing? You know what I mean? Like my body didn't deserve that. So I feel bad. Mm-hmm. Like my uh, this past year has just been my attempt to like uh, apologize to my body for all the things that I put it through. So like, I'm making sure I'm feeding it like really nourishing, really awesome food as a, like a apology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, your food is amazing. So let's go back to talking about your mom for a second, because you talked about how you were raised with a really kind of specific food culture and that food was really important to you growing up. So tell us about your, your food childhood. Yeah. So, um, my, uh, I'm an army brat. So my mom is a Korean immigrant, um, from South Korea. For some reason I need to say that, but yes, from South Korea. And, um, my mom and dad met, when my dad was in the military, which is a pretty common story for people who look like me, I've discovered. Um, And so um, she actually came to America not being able to speak any English Mm -hmm. at all and um, learned English by watching Sesame Street with me when I was a little kid. So that's pretty cool. Korean was my first language. I've forgotten all of it. But um, I, I grew up speaking Korean. So I lived in Korea for several years while I was young. Then we moved to America. And um, my mom continued to cook her traditional foods throughout my um, entire my entire life. And it was always something that I enjoyed. And it was something that I take to be um, a matter of my personal identity. So when I first started eating keto and it was just like, hey, put some mushrooms in a pile of cheese and crack some eggs into it and dinner. It really broke my heart because I felt like I was having to deny part of my cultural heritage. Oh, and funny story, my mom worked at a German restaurant for a long time. So she learned a bunch of German cooking. I wondered is, where the German yes, came in. <laughs> which is actually the other part of my ethnic makeup. So it's my Korean mother is a good German cook, and I happen to be the other half of me is German. So, so I, I grew up with this, you know, Southern, she would cook Southern food too, Southern cuisine, German food and Korean food. And I still wanted to eat those things when I went keto because this is the food that I grew up on. And it was food that to me spoke to love and caring because my mom would make me this stuff because she loved me and she cared about me. 
So, you know, it was, it was depressing initially because I thought I just, I would never be able to eat bulgogi ever again. I could never have Kim or, you know, kimchi or anything like that because, oh my God, it has a minuscule amount of carbs and whoa. Mm-hmm. When I got my head on the right way about a reasonable way to go about doing keto, I realized like, hey, these things can be adapted. You don't have to eat the giant bowl of rice with the bulgogi. I usually just ate the bulgogi out of the bowl anyway without the rice as a child. So it worked perfectly well. I mean, like as long as you just make little changes here and there, you swap out some things for some other things. Maybe you don't use sweetener. Maybe you put on a tiny bit of stevia. Like it actually works really, really well. And you can make um, just like a ton of different, like really amazing ethnic foods and still eat like a wide variety of different things and remain within the keto, you know, style of eating if that's what you want to do. So like I was thrilled to find that out. I was posting all these pictures on the Facebook group. And of course, that's how I got approached to write the Instant Pot Cookbook. So that's pretty cool. Right, and we this would be the perfect time for us to mention that we have a book coming out sometime around the turn of the 2018-2019 called Keto Passport, which is going to be all foods from around the world, either kind of a curated collection of recipes that were already fairly keto-friendly and also ones that started out kind of being more traditional, higher-carb foods that we then adapted to be keto-friendly because there is so much emphasis in the keto world on rotisserie chicken, cream cheese, shredded cheddar cheese, bake, you know, fried eggs, which are great. I mean, I love eggs and bacon, but, you know, I mean, for people who want to be a little bit more adventurous and especially for people who can't eat dairy, it can be very hard to find recipes in the rotation that are not quite so utilitarian that are more fun and exciting. And I think what's really interesting about that is that so many traditional cuisines are kind of inherently keto, right? Yeah. You just leave America and you look at most traditional cuisines, like German food, obviously, if you're looking at so much of the German food, is inherently keto. It's a lot of pork, a lot of delicious pork. Right. And and uh, organ meats, mm-hmm. right? And cabbage and, you know, just a wide variety of vegetables and fermenta- uh, fermentations that are really uh, gut healthy. And so what I find really sad about kind of the current version of keto that we see is that so much of it is trying to take the American foods that weren't working in the first place and just making the keto-fied American foods like keto cupcakes and keto pancakes and keto cakes. So it's like people are still stuck in the same food paradigm. They're just trying to do it with fewer carbs. Yeah. And I find that to be such a bummer because there's so much good food out there that is already either so close to keto or entirely keto that people just aren't exploring. I know. And and I mean, for me, it's it's a matter of personal identity. And I know I can't be the only person, and I'm not, with ties to other countries, either you know directly or through some kind of affinity. I mean, maybe you took a trip to Japan in your college years and you really been hankering for some kind of teriyaki food because it brings back memories for you. So I mean, like you should be able to still have that in your life. And I think that hopefully you, you know, you open the book and you peruse through it and you go, wow, yeah, that's, that's relevant to me. Like that speaks to me as a person, because I mean, personally, I think that food isn't just about, you know, what nutrient slurry can I put in my body? It's, it's an expression 
And it can be, you know, like a gift or an expression of care. And like, so it's nice to be able to cook something different every now and then if you want to or if you have some extra time. So, you know, hopefully people feel the same way about it. I mean, I want people to know that they can love keto food the way that they thought they loved their old way of eating and that the attachment to food doesn't have to go away just because you've changed your focus on what constitutes quote unquote healthy eating, that you can still love and enjoy your food and eat food that's truly delicious and that actually feeds your soul. And it doesn't have to be a diet in the worst sense of that word. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's just awesome to start incorporating some different spices into your rotation as well. Because when you start eating like these amazing African foods and Indian foods, um, they're they're incorporating a lot of spices that have some pretty powerful medicinal quanti- or qualities when they're taken in con- normal consumption amounts like turmeric and oregano and things like that. And it's just good to get those things into your diet as opposed to eating the same, you know, I put Mrs. Dash on some chicken <laughs> breast over and over and over again. Like you should be exploring these spices because some of them are actually very powerful in terms of um, helping improve your health. So, yeah, I think that what's for me, I've actually found that since I've gone keto and so I've restricted some more foods out of my diet, I've actually done more exploring. So, I've, I eat many more fermented foods than I used to eat, which is a staple of primal eating, but I just I didn't really look to them before. I've used new spices, like um, I started to use more things like saffron and um, just a wider variety of spice blends from around the world that I didn't eat before because I just didn't, I was kind of in a routine and switching to keto actually switched up the routine a little bit, which is the opposite of what people think of. I mean, people think of keto as being very restrictive and it's not restrictive in that way to me. No, I, I totally agree. And I think part of it is that when you can't rely on honey or <laughs> dates to make a dish cloyingly sweet, you actually start to taste the dish for what it is. And then you start to go, well, maybe, you know, some of this would be good in here. Maybe some of the smoked paprika. And you start to appreciate the finer notes of these um, different spices that otherwise would have just gotten completely, you know, glommed over by pepper and honey or something like that. But I mean, when you think about the way that traditional cuisines were for the majority of human history, sugar and honey would have been luxury items. and would have been extremely expensive to incorporate into your daily eating. So a lot of these, um, I want to call them heritage dishes because I like that term. Mm -hmm. A lot of these heritage dishes aren't overly sweetened to begin with, especially if you start digging for older, older ones. So it's nice to be able to present these again as, um, you know, something that's an option for you to eat on just the reg. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. I love talking to other people who love food and I'm really happy to introduce our audience to you because a lot of people know you a little bit through Facebook and your story is really interesting. And I think a lot of people are going to relate to that journey of having been unhealthy for so long that you thought it was normal. Yeah. And then finding a new way and it's just like the ceiling opened up and the angels came down and yes. you were like, oh my God. <laughs> and it, But you're still, I want to emphasize, like in progress, right? You're still oh, yeah. always working on your health, right? It wasn't just like an overnight transition. No. Although you did have a profound change, 
it's still a oh God, I hate this word, it's so cloying at this point, but it's still a journey, right? So Yeah, my journey, my path. No, but it it truly is because there are still things that I'm working on. There's still things that I'm not doing right. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody is if you're done, then you're dead. You know, <laughs> like you, there's always something that you can do a little bit better if you care to. And, you know, I I care to be as healthy as possible without turning my entire life upside down in order to make sure that I live in like some kind of a bubble mm-hmm. of, you know, optimal everything. But, you know, like still, I'm still working on my hormones. I'm still working on my sleep like everybody else. I struggle to turn the the screens off when I'm supposed to. I almost never managed to do that. I'm so bad about that. It's hard. Especially it, it when is. part of your job is being on Facebook. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, you know, like there are still things that I struggle with and things that I can do better. And that's why I'm glad that I have the community for support because I looked at the things that they're doing and, you know, I find that very inspiring. I love it when our members share their non-scale victories. It makes me so happy It's so heart. heartwarming. Yeah, I mean, I'm so honored that, one, these people put themselves out there and say, you know, they talk about what what state they were in before and then, and then you know, two, they're willing to talk about where they are now and how that makes them feel. I mean, it takes bravery to put yourself out there and to say these things when, you know, you know full well this is on the internet. Someone could come in and call you all sorts of names. So for you guys that share your non-scale victories, thank you so much. Like, I know that that means, it means a lot to me. And I know that it means a lot to the other members in the group to see you guys doing well. Like, those are consistently our most interacted with stories, too. When people say, like, hey, I'm not on my um, my diabetes medication anymore. Because who doesn't want to hear that? That's such an amazing story. So, like, I'm I'm just honored to be a part of a community where things like that are being shared because people's lives are being changed, and that's just so cool. Mm-hmm. So that is our Keto Reset Facebook community, which anyone can find on Facebook by going into the groups and searching for Keto Reset. Look for the one that has currently, if you're listening to this around the time it came out, this podcast came out, um, a Keto Reset Instant Pot cookbook on the cover. Um, and right now we have about 25,000 members you can also find us on social media if you are having trouble tracking down the group and just want to connect with us. Layla, you want to share your Instagram handle? Yeah, um, it's strong and well-fed. So it's strong, period, and period, well-fed. Um, that's my Instagram. And definitely follow Layla to see her beautiful food and her very incredible, <laughs> I am very jealous, her flexibility in her yoga <laughs> pursuits and also her uh, gym videos, which are incredibly enviable. And then you can find me at Instagram at The Useful Dish. So if you're having trouble finding us on Facebook, find us there. And yeah, I'm so grateful for you to taking the time to come on the podcast with us today. And I hope that the listeners are inspired by your story. And once they see your food pictures, you're going to have like a million more followers <laughs> because they're so beautiful. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you, listeners. Hi, listeners. It's Brad Kearns. I'm so excited to introduce you to our all-new, comprehensive, online, multimedia course called the 21-Day Primal Reset. This is everything you need to go step-by-step into a lifestyle transformation and go primal. Go all in. Make the commitment. We are here with an amazing online course with over 60 videos taking you through step-by-step daily challenges in the areas of diet, exercise, and lifestyle. You also get to download an assortment of print and audio materials 
skills. We have an awesome app that helps you engage with the community while you're doing your 21-day reset, daily inspirational emails, keeping you focused, giving you tips and tricks. We have shopping lists, PDFs. Oh, it's a great collection of items all on the login portal as soon as you register instant and lifetime access, everything you need. What a great gift to give someone, family, friend, loved one that you want to share the gift of primal living with. And even if you're an expert long-term, what a great way to kind of tune up and get that reset going, build some momentum. If your goals are reducing excess body fat, being healthy and staying with the primal program for the rest of your life. That's what this journey is, is a kickstart to generate long-term lasting lifestyle change. And when you enroll at primalblueprint.com, we have a wonderful selection of add-on product kits at an extreme discount to thank you for enrolling in the digital course. So you can throw in some wonderful Primal Kitchen products or Primal Blueprint supplements. Check it all out at primalblueprint.com. Everyone deserves a reset. You deserve a reset. Make the commitment for 21 days and we'll be with you every step of the way to guide you. 